Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay, so it is my great uh, joy and privilege to introduce Bill. Has Bill been given the bits that he needs? Andy? Okay. Um, so whilst Andy is sorting Bill out, um, uh, so I've, I've known Bill maybe for four or five years now, and we worked out that I went and spoke in his church um, two years ago this week. Um, in, and he leads St. Stephen's in Stockwell, which is an, a, a, an Anglican church, a great church there. And Bill and I meet basically every Wednesday morning to pray. You know I meet with other leaders to pray. Well, Bill is one of those leaders that I meet with. And, and, and those prayer meetings are, are such an encouragement and a strengthening to me, and I know they are to Bill. So it's a, it's a real privilege to have him come. Uh, why don't we give him a big hand? Why don't we welcome him? Thank you. It is a, a great joy to come. You know, it must be four or five years. Uh, I, I had fun last night, and I listened to what uh, Owen said um, because I found it on my computer. And it was a brilliant sermon, and he said he'd known me for about two years at that point, so we've known one another for four years now. <laughs> so uh, that seems uh, pretty good to me. It is uh, a great joy, and it gives me the chance to uh, pray regularly for the work that you're doing at... Um, cap and uh, uh, with food bank and that's uh, just uh, fantastic um, let me uh, bow our heads let me bow my head let me encourage you to bow your heads and we'll pray together father we thank you so much for calling us into your family we thank you so much for your holy spirit who Uh, wrote the scriptures and enabled them to be uh, written for us, preserved for us, translated for us, available to us. And Father, we ask that he would work among us, that as we read your word and as we think about it together, so Father, your Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds, help us to see how that word changes us, challenges us, encourages us, supports us, transforms us. So, Lord, please be at work this morning here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm hoping that behind me, I have not got a fancy PowerPoint. Um, Sorry about that. So most of the time, you're going to have pretty pictures of of countryside. But we're going to begin in looking at uh, Luke chapter 12. And it's a great chapter, but we're not going to read all of it. I'm going to start, if I may, at uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. We might come back to the beginning, but we're going to... um... Great, and I'm going to read. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. 
They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat or what you are to drink. And do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes in and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit, be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night, or near dawn, and finds them so. Blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. And I'm going to stop reading at that point. Now, I'm old enough to remember uh, when we were told regularly all the way through November and December how many shopping days there were left until Christmas. I suspect that none of you are old enough to remember how many shopping days or any of that because the world has moved on. And uh, Sunday trading came in first and then more recently online shopping. And so how many shopping days are completely irrelevant because everybody can shop 24 hours a day. Um, However, the retailers still have ways of encouraging us to get ready for Christmas. 
food, food, food. If you, I mean, I'm quite a telly fan, and, and uh, apart from the fact I record things and then skip through the ads, if I'm actually watching real live telly, food, 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 and then presents, 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 and then party outfit, party outfit, party outfit. To say nothing of smelling right, wearing the right watch, and giving your children the latest toy. Uh, all of these things are essential for happiness in life. This is uh, what the television will tell you. So pressure, 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 worry, worry, worry. Now, some respond to, to knowing that this is going to happen uh, by being the sort of people who have every single present bought and wrapped by the end of August. Others put everything off to the last possible moment and end up spending far more than they had intended rushing around the shops on Christmas Eve. Pressure, 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 worry, worry, worry. Now, uh, Owen's made allusion to the fact that uh, I'm an Anglican. Um, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a loyal Anglican to the, the sort of foundation documents of Anglicanism, uh, I'm acutely unhappy about the current state of the uh, Anglican Church uh, in all sorts of ways that I'm happy to explain at other times, but um, uh, it's largely because Anglicans in our foundation documents, we absolutely believe the Scriptures. Sadly, the Church of England in its current state, as many of the bigger denominational churches, are yielding to the constant temptation to drift away from the Bible and lose confidence in it and bend to the ways of the world. And I'm going to be encouraging us to stick with the ways of God this morning. But one of the great things uh, about being an Anglican, and there are lots of good things about, I, I, I find them every now and then, there are good things, uh, there are good things about being an Anglican, and one of them is observing the season of Advent. Uh, Advent is the four weeks uh, before uh, Christmas, and in order to tell you that it wasn't just an Anglican thing, I decided that I would consult Wikipedia on the subject, <laughs> and this is what Wikipedia says. Advent is a season observed by many Christian churches as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the Nativity of Jesus at Christmas, as well as the return of Jesus at the Second Coming. The term is a version of the Latin word meaning coming. Latin adventus is the translation of the Greek word parousia, commonly used to refer to the second coming of Christ. For Christians, the season of Advent anticipates the coming of Christ from three different perspectives. Since the time of Bernard of Clairvaux, who died in 1153, Christians have spoken of the three comings of Christ, in the flesh, in Bethlehem, in our hearts daily, and in glory at the end of time, the three comings of Christ. I thought Bernard of Clavo knows what he was talking about. The season offers the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah and to be alert for his second coming. Advent is the beginning of the Western liturgical year and commences on the fourth Sunday before Christmas. And so today is the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, this year, last Sunday, was 
Advent Sunday. And one of the readings uh, suggested for the Anglican Church is the passage that I read, or most of it, uh, the passage that I read from Luke 12, and that's why I've decided to look at it today. It is one of the passages of extended teaching that Jesus gives uh, first to his disciples, but in the presence uh, of a crowd of gathered in thousands. If we can go back to uh, chapter 1, I mean verse 1 of, uh, verse of chapter 12, you'll see that uh, there's a reference to the crowd gathered in thousands. Now, we can feel sometimes that we're small and battered and there aren't very many of us and nobody else believes and stuff. It's really good to see that when Jesus was really there, physically on the ground, the crowds came in their thousands. And he spoke to uh, his disciples first off. Um, And what he's doing is that he is speaking on how to live in what you might call the in-between times. Uh, the first coming of the Lord Jesus, when he comes, and we, of course, we celebrate his birthday. I mean, we don't know exactly when Jesus was born, um, but uh, the 25th of December is a good time to celebrate. It was an existing festival. It's when we know the days are just beginning to get longer again after all the closing down of, of uh, uh, the uh, sort of autumn solstice coming through. And, and so it was already a, 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 an occasion to celebrate, and uh, the Christians said, okay, let's plonk that. Because the truth about God becoming a human being is that Jesus must have had a birthday sometime. Uh, we, don't know, we don't fuss unduly about what the day is, um, but it, it, we celebrate on the, on the 25th of December. And we are able to do that Uh, because that's the beginning. But the the important thing also to remember, and it's worth sort of reminding people from time to time, that if if it hadn't been for Easter, uh, we would never have any idea of Christmas. You know how the world will tend to say Christmas is far and away the most important, particularly if the world is sort of that size and and quite small. Easter is a bit, you know, hot cross buns are a bit boring and an egg. But Christmas is presents and more presents and the smartwatch and the nice smart... and all of that 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 are part of um, the thing. But we would never celebrate Christmas were it not for Jesus, what he did when he grew up his ministry, and especially, of course, his death on the cross, when he, the one who was perfect and sinless, said, I will take the punishment that the sin of humanity deserves, so that anyone who chooses to come to me in repentance for their sin and believing that my death is enough can be put right with God forever. The thing we remember when we share communion together. And then, of course, the confirmation that that uh, death on the cross was sufficient as the the means of us being put right is grace that we've already sung about this morning. The confirmation of that is that he was raised from the dead. And so we're always Easter people. It's not just in April that we're Easter people. We're always Easter people. Jesus is always risen. And therefore, uh, we, we remember all the events of the first coming of the Lord Jesus, particularly uh, his birth at Christmas time. Um, and then, of course, we remember that we exist 
And then there's going to be a moment, because it's absolutely promised in Scripture, when Jesus is going to come back. And what he's teaching in this passage in Luke is that we don't know when that's going to be. So don't bother to listen to someone who says they know for certain sure that it's going to come on Thursday fortnight. Because nobody knows. The one thing that we do know about the coming, the return of the Lord Jesus is that there's going to be no doubt. Uh, we're told that it's going to be like a, a flash of lightning seen all the way across the sky. Or other things that, that, that you can see from miles away that it's definitely happening. That's what the return of the Lord Jesus is going to be like. But it's definitely going to happen. And therefore, what Jesus wants to know is, or is teaching us here in this passage, is how to live in the in-between times, between the first coming of the Lord Jesus and the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, the danger for Christians is, especially thinking about Christmas, is that we can join the world in getting so worried and busy preparing for what we know to be the celebration of the birthday of the Lord Jesus, and obviously many in the world forget that, then actually our celebration looks almost the same as the world's celebration. And the remembering of Jesus' second coming is the helpful corrective to us for that. If you come back to Luke uh, 12 and verse 22. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. And then it goes on to talk about, remember, the ravens and the lilies. And at the beginning of chapter 12, he's talked about uh, the sparrows. And he says, aren't, aren't, um, what are, aren't uh, two sparrows sold for a penny or five sparrows for tuppence? And I love that idea that you know how often you can go in and, and you can get, you know, if you buy two of something, it's fine. And if you buy four or five, you, you, know, you get an extra one thrown in. Well, it, it, pity the poor sparrow who's just the extra one thrown in. You know, tuppence for a sparrow, I mean, a penny for, a, for two and, and tuppence for five. The poor extra one. And yet what, what Jesus is saying is that that extra one is really special really important to the Lord Jesus. And the same is true, therefore, of the, the ravens, that the, the, they're, they're fed, or the lilies of the field, that Solomon, who the greatest, uh, the richest and wisest of all the kings of Israel, still, you, you know, that great phrase, as wise as Solomon or as rich as Solomon, we, we, we still use those sort of phrases. The very best clothes that... Solomon could go into nothing like as good as the clothes that are the colors of the lilies and the fields. So what we're to remember from all of that is that God is the creator of the whole world. He's creator of you and me and the birds and the flowers, and God cares for and provides for all. And so we're to stop thinking that it all depends on us even Christmas, and to stop striving. And so, uh, verse 29 and 30. hope it buzzes through. There we go. And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. 
For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. And I thought that was actually rather a good verse just before Christmas, not to keep striving about what you're to drink, what you're to eat, what you're to... And don't keep worrying. So my first sort of general heading for this is put your creator and king first. Put your creator and king first. He, did make, he made the whole world. He's made the ravens, and he's made the lilies, and he's made even that fifth sparrow thrown in for nothing when you, buy, when you spend tuppence. He's made you. And instead, what we're to do comes in verse 31. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Now, it's really important to say loud and clear that Jesus is not against parties and celebrations. You know, the Puritans years ago, got a very, they were brilliant Christians in many, many ways, but they got a terrible reputation because they sort of banned Christmas and they didn't allow people to celebrate and they thought it was ungodly, essentially. And, you know, getting drunk is something that is forbidden and getting drunk is something that um, can happen at Christmas time. So sometimes people down the years have said, well, it's better not to drink at all. It's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says a little wine is a good thing. Just don't have too much. Get the balance right. Jesus is not against parties and celebrations. He's recorded as eating and drinking uh, with people. We're told, you know, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. They called him a glutton. He uh, shared in celebrations and festivals. He's, the way that we know his ministry was probably three, three and a half years is because we can count the number of times he goes down to the festivals in Jerusalem. And he's recorded as being at a wedding. He's not against parties, but he gets his priorities right. And so what will striving for Jesus' kingdom look like? And I want to come on and make my sort of second main heading. First of all, it'll look like having a different attitude to money and possessions. Look with me at 33. There we go. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the world doesn't have anything to value except material things. Doesn't have anything else to offer. So, you know, if you're highly praised, have more money. If you happen to be vice-chancellor of a not very large university in Bath, uh, then you can have more money even than the other lady who is the, in charge of the slightly bigger university in Bath. Um, because money, money, money is the only thing that the world can give in order to be able to express any value of people. Bigger salaries so that we can have more stuff. Now, Christians enjoy the material world... But what we are told to do is invest in the kingdom. So when we're told to um, 
give arms, we're told to uh, give away our possessions. It, it means, in a sense, what we're doing is that we're holding the things that God has given us in an open hand. It's not saying it's mine, and God, you can have this bit. And because you've been particularly good to me, I'm willing to give you my little finger as well. It is that he's given us everything. He gives us life and breath and everything else, and therefore is in charge of, of, you know, Lord, what do I do with the money that you've given to me? The material blessings that you've given to me, the home that I have, all the other, the, the, the brain, the good things that I've got, what do I do with them? It doesn't matter whether we've got more or less than other people. They're stuff that have been given by God. And if you have the idea of actually holding our possessions in an open hand, then, Lord, if you want me to share those possessions with other people, if you want me to give things away, then, then I will. And that's why it's such a, an encouragement to hear on Wednesday mornings of the, these hampers that you guys have been uh, building and putting together and seeing all of them. And I said, are they all? No, 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 it's only just some of the hampers that are, that are the ones that are sitting on the table out in the, uh, in the welcoming area outside. It, it's enormously good to have those cap hampers, to be sharing some of the blessings so that people who've got less have enough. It's a, it's a really good biblical principle because it's an understanding of the world that stuff material things won't last. Jesus is making exactly the same point um, when he says that things can get uh, stolen, thieves can come in and take it, or it can rust away, or it gets eaten by moth. They had, in their day, clothes were really valuable, precious things that would be handed down. You sometimes see people being awarded several sets of clothing and stuff. And it's because it was really expensive to weave the material and make it. And so the, the clothes became an heirloom that could be passed down. But, of course, you still had the problem of moths and other things eating the clothes. The grander the clothes, the more likely they were to be eaten away. Um, and we still see, therefore, that material stuff doesn't last uh, the Bitcoin bubble is going to burst. I don't have that as a prophetic word, but I just know that it is, that is definitely going to be the thing. And what, what is being told, what we're being told, is that we're to make a purse that won't wear out. And it's a wonderful picture when we allow ourselves to think about it. Uh, we're investing in something that's actually going to last. It's unfailing treasure in heaven. It's worth spending our resources and the material things in order to build eternal capital. We're to spend on the kingdom, helping others hear about Jesus, training people to be pastors. For instance, I, you, you've talked about um, the London Bible School and uh, that it's going to cost £20 to go uh, every month. Some of you might think, well, actually, I think it would be fantastic if you, youngster, went to that. I'm happy to divvy up the 20 quid for you. You don't tell the church that you're doing that, but you can quietly do that. You're, you haven't got the time to go, but you think, actually, that person has got the, the, the capacity. If they know their Bible better, they're going to be 
a lifelong disciple uh, and a trainer of others and telling others about Jesus. It's investing in the kingdom, investing in people to be pastors and teachers and evangelists, uh, providing in all sorts of different ways so that the good news about Jesus can be spread out uh, from here. It's not just uh, Owen and the other elders who are responsible. It's all of us, and all of us are able to share the resources that we have with the common goal of helping people to know Jesus because the devastating truth is that if people do not respond in repentance and faith to Jesus, they will be separated from God and from life in all eternity. Jesus came for the sole purpose of rescuing us from hell. It is such a horrific thing, the idea of hell, that we think, surely God, he can't really have designed it. It isn't really there. But actually, Jesus has come. He didn't design it for us. He designed it for Satan and his angels. Jesus has came in order to rescue us from it. But if we refuse Jesus, we end up following the prince of this world into the place of separation and darkness. And so hearing about Jesus, making him known, is the vital work of being alive. Now, we do our jobs well, we earn our money, we build our houses, all of those things, they're good things to do, but all of it in an open hand saying, Lord, how can this work for your kingdom? How can I strive for your kingdom rather than worry about whether I've got enough material stuff? And he summarizes it in verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think it's quite a challenge for those of us who check our bank accounts online. Do we spend as much time in the Word of God as we spend moving our money around from one account to another? It's just a useful challenge to me as well. It's important for us to be wise stewards of what God has entrusted to us, but to the know that it is, it is first his, not ours. So we're to trust him for our food and clothing, just as he provided for the ravens and the lilies, and that he does a better job than we possibly could do. So... The idea is that we're to trust the Creator, God as our Creator and King. It's going to make a, a striving for the kingdom is going to make a difference to how we, uh, what our priorities are in terms of the, the way we spend money and the way that we think, what we think are, is actually valuable. And then the second point that I want to make under this striving for the kingdom is that we have different priorities in life because of our confidence that Jesus is returning. If we can look at verses 35 and 36. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Now, it's worth just allowing, the Bible is painted in pictures, and it's worth just allowing yourself to imagine uh, a bunch of servants, and the, the, the master has gone away, 
He's gone to a, a wedding banquet, and you have no idea when he's going to come home. Uh, and what you want, there's almost competition amongst the servants as to which one is going to be ready and close and near to the door to be able to open the door as soon as the master comes. He sees him through a window, and he's there at the door ready to, to let him in. It's that sort of eager expectation uh, that the master is about to return and wanting to be the one who will see him through the, uh, when they come through the door when he comes through our door. And we need just to challenge ourselves and say, is that our attitude about the return of the Lord Jesus? Do we have that sort of real eager excitement that he's going to come back and he's going to come back soon? Especially in the busy days of of December when, you know, most of us is focused on cards and presents and all the other stuff that's going. What we're told to be is to be dressed for action and with our lamps lit. I mean, just it implies a confidence that our master is going to return. And the way that we are ready for him is that we're getting on obediently with what we are meant to be doing. And if you look at verses uh, 41 to uh, 48... Uh, which we haven't actually read, but it's the story of the uh, faithful and the unfaithful slave. People uh, being doing what they're meant to be doing. And the, and the, the guy just says, if the slave is doing, the, the servant is doing what he's meant to be doing, then he's going to be blessed. But if he's no longer doing it, then he's not going to be blessed. It's just living obediently. So therefore, doing the ordinary as Christians is what Jesus is meaning. That when he returns, that's what he needs to find. It's not that we suddenly have got to be uh, doing the spiritual equivalent of climbing Mount Everest. Or that we should be, be suddenly doing amazing things for God. No. Faithfully loving God and your neighbor faithful in your relationships, in your marriage commitment, uh, faithful to your word so that you're someone who does what you say you're going to do, praying and serving, speaking about Jesus, doing the ordinary. But it's not getting lax. You know how easy it is to say, the Lord Jesus hasn't come back in the last 2,000 years, so he's certainly not going to come back next week. Therefore, it doesn't matter if I compromise a little bit just here and there. It's very easy for us to get into that way of thinking. He hasn't come back for all this time. He, he, he's, not, yeah, he's not going to come back before New Year. So it just doesn't matter whether I, you know, I'll just a little bit of sinning here and there won't matter. And that's where the challenge of verse 40 comes in. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The story about the guy being burgled is simply that had he known that the burglar was going to come at 2.30 in the morning, then he would have been up and he would have been ready and he would have been completely prepared to hit the burglar and get rid of him. Well... You know, in a in a third, he would have been on the phone to the police to be able to what whatever is the appropriate. He would have barred the door. The burglar would never have got in. He would have made absolutely sure that that his lights were on and all of that stuff, so that the burglar would never have come in. 
The whole point is the burglar comes at a moment you're not expecting him. That's going to be the same with the Lord Jesus. Don't get lax, but continue to remember to be vigilant because the Lord Jesus is going to come back definitely sometime. And it is going to be wonderful to see him. I, I, you know, I think we, we can sometimes get um, sort of scared about that. But uh, you know, he loves us and has died for us and he delights in us. And it's going to be something wonderful to see him. And there's a story I remember of somebody who, one of the great um, uh, people who was, I think, part of the Clapham sect based around um, Holy Trinity Church all those years ago, where Wilberforce was a member for a bit. And uh, he was not very well, and he was told by his doctors that he had to prepare himself for the end. And apparently he was so excited at the prospect of seeing the Lord Jesus, he rallied and lasted for another fortnight. (laughs) It's going to be wonderful to see the Lord Jesus. And there is a, let's come back to verses 37 and 38. It is an extraordinary picture that what is said is that the master has gone out to his wedding banquet, the servants are all waiting for him to come home, practically competing with one another who's going to open the door and welcome him in. And then what's said is that the master, who would have been wearing his wedding finery, which probably would have included some sort of long flowing robe, the master is going to put a belt on, presumably getting his wedding finery so that it's sort of under control, in order then to be able to serve the servants. It is an extraordinary picture of what is going to happen. And how fantastic, therefore, to be one of those servants. One who is ready for the Lord Jesus. The one who, in pushing the story a little bit, the Lord Jesus is saying, when he returns, he's going to be ready to serve us. But of course, what he's done is that he has served us completely on the cross. He has done all that's necessary. And so then we are just invited in uh, to that, uh, another picture of, the, of a wedding feast, the idea of that marriage between the bride of Christ, all of us, and the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus, that great wedding feast of the Lamb that is one of the pictures of heaven. So how do we uh, make sure that we're there? just by being ready, by continuing to be obedient, understanding that God is our creator and king, understanding that we have different priorities in terms of the way we handle our material resources, understanding that we have different priorities because we know that the Lord Jesus is returning. And in response to that knowledge, we're living obediently, looking forward to when the Lord Jesus comes back. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we are sorry if we have got over-worried and anxious about Christmas and material possessions and preparations and stuff and therefore left you out of the picture a bit. We ask that you'd forgive us. We thank you for the power of the blood of Christ that is sufficient to cleanse us, even of that sin.
And Father, we ask that you would help us to be those who live daily with a different attitude towards possessions, willing to let you direct how you spend, you want us to spend the resources that you've given to us. Willing to live with different priorities because we know that you are returning and it's your kingdom that is the thing that really matters in this world. Lord, please help us to live for your kingdom, to strive for it, to work for it. And help us, Father, to be found to be at work, doing the ordinary, doing what we're meant to be doing as Christians. On that day when the Lord Jesus returns, may we hear those great words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Father, we long to hear those words. So please help us to be worthy of them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.